It's always a blessing to have so many wonderful leaders in our church that uh, when I'm not able to be here, any number of people could share this responsibility in sharing uh, on Sundays, and I'm very grateful for that. In a few weeks, we'll get to hear from James uh, Williams. Uh, I'll be in, Don and I will be in California ministering out there, and so uh, James will be speaking to us in, in March. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them in a moment. We'll get there to Hebrews 12. We're going to get to verse 12 in a few moments. Um, Maybe you've seen uh, the Canadian TV show. If the Greens were here, they would. Uh, it called Just for Laughs. It's a, like a 20-plus-year-old show, TV show. And YouTube helped me find it. And it started 2001 or so with a cast of recurring characters who pull pranks or gags on unsuspecting people. And they find themselves in some very precarious situations, and it's just hilarious and uncomfortable at times, too. Um, one of my favorites is a prank pulled on bike riders as they're going through a Montreal park, and they're just riding their bike through the park, casually riding, and as they pass by, there are hidden cameras everywhere filming this scene, and as they pass by this U-Haul trailer, as soon as I pass by it, the, the back of the truck goes open and down the ramp comes about 15 professional cyclists and they swarm up behind that bike rider and ride right behind him or her as if they're in a race. And it's hilarious as you see the reactions on these people's faces. They're just priceless. I mean, there's panic, there's bewilderment, confusion, fear, all sorts of stuff. And then as they're continuing, they find themselves with a whole crowd of people around them and they're crossing a finish line. And well, let's just look at it. You'll enjoy it. the looks on their faces, the panic. Uh, what do you mean I won? I didn't know I was racing. What just happened? Um, I think a lot of Christians are in a similar situation. They're in a race and they don't even know it. Um, they're meandering through life with very little focus, not much perseverance, like they're on a stroll through a park trying to get more, make more, be more. But there's a finish line up ahead, and the way we race matters. And one day we're going to cross a line and be in the presence of Jesus, and then we're going to realize the way we ran this race mattered a whole lot more than we may have realized. Amen. Hebrews 12, 12 is an admonition, actually the whole chapter, really 10, 11, 12, and 13, to run the race. Yes. Run the race and be aware that you're in it. And verse 12 of 12, chapter 12, tells us some even more strong exhortations. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, 
and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. One Bible teacher famously said that whenever you read the word therefore in the Bible, you should find out what it's there for. And verse 12 starts with that word, therefore. And it's a connection between the exhortation that's about to come in the following verses and all that's been previously said in the first 11 verses, which basically tells us, in summary form, to run with endurance the race God has set before us. To not grow weary, to not be faint-hearted, and that there's a great cloud of witnesses, whether you realize it or not, and they are all finished their race and they are cheering you on in your race. And that the hardship we experience in this race is not a barrier to our spiritual growth, it's actually a pathway to our spiritual growth. It's what gives us opportunity to grow even in the midst of pain and difficulty and hardship that we experience as followers of Jesus because God uses all of it for our good. He uses hardship to discipline us into usefulness. And all of this is rooted in something that God has done, is doing, and will do in and for us. You see, he doesn't command us to do these things so as to convince him to treat us as his children. He exhorts us to do these things because we are already his children. We are his kids. Those who know with great certainty that he is our father and that we've been adopted into his family. And that every hardship Every single difficulty, every bit of suffering we experience, it's not wasted. It's useful for our training, for our development. It's giving us strength for the race set before us. And as we do, it yields peaceful fruit. Hello. <laughs> That's all right. It may be the Holy Spirit calling us to see. <laughs> It is not wasted. It is giving us strength for the race set before us. And as we do, it yields fruit of, of peace and righteousness. And it allows us to be in his holiness. And so because all of those things are true, because all of that is true, therefore, lift up drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Now, when I think of that term, those terms, drooping hands and weak knees, I think about a real beatdown. Like the TCU bull or horn frogs felt when Georgia beat them really bad, right? Any bulldog fans in here? Gosh, you got to come on. I mean, you guys beat them 65 to 7. TCU, they had drooping hands and probably weak knees. But drooping hands and weak knees 
it's a vivid illustration of anyone that's done any sort of running or exercise. I mean, shoot, I feel that way 20 minutes on the exercise bike. So, you know, my knees are pretty wobbly, pretty weak. But if you run hard enough and fast enough and long enough, you grow weary, you get tired, and your legs wear out, your wheeze, your wheeze become knobbly. No, your knees become wobbly. Maybe your wheeze do too. Your hands, they get heavy because your arms, they just want to fall down. Someone I was talking to the other day, they were in boxing and the, exercise, the, the training for boxing. And he said to me, just try to go around holding your hands up like this for a few minutes and see how tired they get. And I thought, yeah, that's what it is. Hands that have drooped and knees that are wobbly. Drooping hands and weak knees also portray a kind of fear-induced helplessness, a paralysis, where what they're facing, and the Bible alludes to this in certain places, what they're facing is daunting, and it makes you just lose your courage. And with the persecution that these Hebrew believers had experienced and were in the midst of and would experience, it's understandable that they might have felt overwhelmed And they might have felt disheartened and not really sure they want to do it again. That they were worn out. That running with endurance is hard. A lot of Bible translations, including the one I read from today, the ESV, insert the word your, Y-O-U-R, in this verse. By saying, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. But other translations, including the King James, uh, the New King James Version, they don't use that word your. Here's what the New King James says. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Now you might think, all right, so what? One little word. But I think it matters. I think it matters because this exhortation is not just to lift our drooping hands, but to lift the drooping hands of anyone you see. It's not just to strengthen our feeble, weak knees, but anyone's weak, feeble knees. And isn't that what we're to be doing for one another? Don and I were talking about the real focus of our ministry together, and we are having more and more opportunities to meet with people and encourage them. And she said, God had really spoken to her that her focus, the Lord's call on her, is to strengthen people. How simple and yet so profound, especially for the one who has drooping hands and weak knees. That's why we're in community together. That's why you shouldn't be running alone. That's why it's not just me and Jesus. God planted you in community and it matters where you're planted because it's in that place where your arms can be lifted up, where your knees can, be find, can find new strength. We're in community and quite frankly, it's what matters most in the day when it's so easy to become overwhelmed and discouraged and disheartened. Another reason why I think the your is not as, is not as applicable as just the hands and the knees is because the Hebrew writer is actually quoting Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah 35, verse 
3, and it says this there, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees and say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come to save you. If you're here today weak and feeble, or if you're here today and you know someone who's weak and feeble, someone who's shaky, wobbly, fainting, about to give up, hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is strengthen weak hands and make firm, feeble knees. God will come to save you. There's the second part of the exhortation in Hebrews 12 in verse 13, and it says, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And I especially love the way the Amplified Bible does this. Uh, Brother John loved the Amplified Bible. Jim Rector loves the Amplified Bible. My wife loves the Amplified Bible. So those are three good uh, sources that I go by. And this verse 13 is elaborated. It's amplified. That's why they call it the Amplified Bible. Here's what it says. And cut through and make firm and plain and smooth straight paths for your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright and happy paths that go in the right direction so that the lame and halting limbs may not be put out of joint, but rather may be cured. I love that. But far too many Christians these days think it's their job to make paths more rigorous, more difficult, more grueling, more doctrinally sound. But in the process, are they really making the lame even worse than when they started? I thought about this over the last few weeks as I've heard all the chatter around the move of the Holy Spirit at Asbury University. What God is doing there and in other college campuses and also all the chatter and noise about the Super Bowl ad campaign, he gets us. There's so much talk, so much opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. I'm growing to detest social media. But you know what? It doesn't take social media for us to have opinions. We just get to be a little more uh, protected in it. We all have opinions and they can turn into judgments real quick. And the Bible says that's not the way we're to go. I realize there are times when the church needs to judge its own based off of heresy or false teaching, and I really do believe in that. And I believe in sound doctrine. I believe we have to preach the gospel of the kingdom. But I think there are a lot of people with big sticks and clubs looking to club and pound anybody that doesn't agree with them. Why are so many critical of a bunch of college students seeking God? who want to surrender their hearts and their lives to his will. Isn't that what we've been praying for? 
Isn't that what we'd want? I realize there's a lot of messiness when it comes to things surrounding such awakenings and moves of the Spirit. I I get that. I get that the chaff oftentimes grows up right alongside the wheat. I also know that he's the one that takes care of that in the end. And I know that all that's happening may not produce good fruit, but I know this. Friends of mine, Paul Petrie and Leroy Curtis, were in Asbury in 1971 when the move of God moved on them on that day. And I promise you, those two men have tremendous fruit in their life. And I was listening to Curtis today talk about that same time period in 1971. And he was pastoring a church in Louisville. And they had a group of those students come and just talk and how it impacted their community. And I'd say his, have a, his life has a whole lot of fruit in it. And I know that when my parents in 1971 were baptized in the Holy Spirit and then got kicked out of our traditional church because we spoke in tongues, that didn't stop God from producing a lot of fruit in our lives either. And I know that when the Holy Spirit was poured out in a little youth camp down in South Mississippi, there's a whole lot of fruit sitting in this room from that time. And there's a lot of craziness and people rolling around and laughing way too much. But I tell you what, I'll take that if I can get the fruit that we have today because of it. It's a whole lot of lives that have been changed because of the move and awakening of God. And I'm not saying that we should go chase after it. In fact, I'm not a revival hopper. I don't like going and chasing what God is doing all over the globe. There's enough that God is doing right here. And I need to give myself to what God has called me to do. And he's doing it in ways that I never thought imaginable. It's not just about meetings and worship, though it is great that that happens there. It is also about what happens out there, outside of these four walls. When, when you can take a group of leaders into a school and begin to impact young people right where they are in their brokenness and in their fear and in their anxiety, and they begin to come to faith. And there are some sitting here today that that's what has happened. And then we can go down to a community that doesn't, doesn't feel like they're welcome in this country for whatever reason. And I'm not into the politics of it all, but they're my neighbor and I want to go love them. And I want to teach them how they can find the love of Christ. And there are people here that are because of that, there's fruit sitting here today. And I want to go into our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools and all over the place. And I want to see the move of the Spirit happen there. And I don't really care what criticism there is about it. Because if the Holy Spirit is leading us to do it, we better be doing it. I don't want to chase after what God is doing elsewhere. But I also don't want to criticize what God is doing elsewhere. That's not my job. That's way above my pay grade. I loved what Brother Charles said a few years ago. If he doesn't have direct responsibility or influence with it, he's going to save his opinion and not just criticize it. And I think that's what we should be. And that gets me on the other thing. Why do people pick at other people who are presenting Jesus as the one who came and dwelt among us? And who understands what we're going through. He does get us. That's what the incarnation is all about. And I realize that some people might have problem with the millions of dollars fitting into that campaign. But you know what? It's causing people to talk and ask questions. And if that's what God wants to do, I'm not going to sit around and criticize it. I don't think it serves us to do that. Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be human, to suffer. 
He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Jesus does get us. And all of the criticism out there among church people today, it's a shame. It reminds me of what Jesus told John in Luke 9. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. And Jesus said to him, do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. If Jesus didn't feel the need to go stamp out what was being done in his name at that moment, then why do we think it's our job to do it today? He's big enough to handle that. Now, I realize if there's responsibility that you have in your family, in a small group, in a church, as a shepherd, I have a responsibility, and we have as elders to not only keep, feed and care for the sheep, but to protect the flock. And I'm not interested in a lot of craziness coming in from the outside that's very subjective and not submitted to anything. But what I am saying is that the Lord is able to take care of the bigger picture, and he doesn't need my opinion to do it. All right, I'm going to stop on that. Let's just finish up here. Verse 14, Hebrews 12. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. We should run peaceably, not fighting with the other runners or sneering at those that are not in the race. We are to be holy as he is holy. We're to strive for holiness. We're going to talk more about that next week. We're to be careful not to get in the way of others who are obtaining the grace of God, to not be a stumbling block to others who are in a place of receiving God's grace. Jesus said, do not hinder little children to come to him. And then he said, it'd be better if you had a millstone tied around your neck and you drown than if you kept one of these little ones from coming to me. And I think about this, when I think about obstructing people getting into the grace of God, it goes back to the whole issue of how our words, they really do matter. We need to be careful. We also need to cast off all those things that would hinder us, including bitterness and including immorality. And also that tendency we all have to trade something of real great value, like a birthright, for some momentary pleasure. The exhortation in, in Hebrews for those believers in that day, is still applicable for us today. It's still for us. So therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And oh, while, while you're at it, do that for your neighbor and for your brother and your sister and your small group and for your family and for people that you see. Lift drooping hands. Bring strength back to people's knees. Help them stand up. Make straight paths so that those who are lame are not made worse. They're made better. And strive for peace with everyone. 
Strive for holiness and pray for others to obtain God's grace and don't get in the way of it. And cast off bitterness and shed immorality. Let's be strengthened to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. My wife is going to come. We're going to pray for you this morning. And then give opportunity for anyone who would like ministry or prayer at the end to come and be prayed for. So much. I know. It was all him, not me. I just had so much I could I know. respond. Man. We're having a moment. Excuse us. <laughs> I think strength, encouragement, persevering, they're all, they're all connected. And it's kind of like um, Roger's prayer for yeah. Jamie today. Yeah. First, it was, he's going to be with you and has amazing things for you. Right. And then it was, and you're going to need him to be with you and have amazing things for you That's because right. there's another side to this story. Right. And I feel like the message today is sort of that same concept for us. God is saying, strengthen and then he's saying, because you need to. <laughs> and if you don't think you need to, you're going to need to. So the ministry of encouragement or strengthening one another is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the key to avoiding the sins that come from discouragement. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but think about your last month. Have you had... A moment of being discouraged about a relationship, about your job, about your circumstances, about your kids, about your finances. If we're not careful, discouragement makes a distance between us and the Lord. Mm -hmm. So if we strengthen ourselves and others, it's a protection against that kind of discouragement that leads to sin. True. And then lastly, it is the key to persevering in faith. All the good stuff comes from persevering. And it's implied in the word persevering that you have something to overcome. Yes. We have lots of things to overcome. For me personally, I have my own flesh, my own tendencies, my own weaknesses, my own experiences that lie to me about who God really is. We have the world. We are, we are imperfectly living a life next to a bunch of people who are also imperfectly living their lives. It's a lot to overcome. The real victory has already been won, and we are only going to get in on it if we can figure out how to strengthen, yeah. how to strengthen the stuff that's failing, yeah. <laughs> how to pick up the stuff that's drooping in our own hearts so that when we're next to somebody who needs that, we have something to give that's because exactly we right. know the strengthener. Yeah. It so is. my prayer for us today is from Hebrews 10. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Yeah. You need to persevere don't be weak and droopy. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive and possess 
what he has promised. Yes. Let's pray together. Father, we receive the strength of your word today, even while recognizing that your words are always timely. And it means we're going to need to lay hold of that strength in the days to come, either personally or corporately or for any number of reasons. But we don't take it lightly, Father. You've come with a timely word. And I pray that you will continue to speak it in our hearts and bring us to obedience in it. For those here today, Father, that are weak, that are droopy, the shame isn't in getting tired. The shame would be in avoiding the very person who offers continuous strength. That's right. So, Father, we, we give over to you right now those places where we feel weak, where we feel weary, where we are struggling, limping, drooping. And we say, be king in these places. Yes, Lord. If we need our eyes lifted up to see that our help comes from you, if we need our hearts lifted up to be couraged instead of discouraged, yes. if we need our perspective to change about where you are in the circumstances that are beating us right now, God, we say yes you, to how you see it because that is how it is. Regardless of our experience or our feelings or our thoughts about it, it is what you say because you are God. Yes. So we receive your strength and your courage today. Yes. We receive the benefit of the Holy Spirit to persevere. Yes. Because the promise is certain, the end is already determined. Thank you for. Loving us where we are and not leaving us there. Yes, yes, Lord. 